Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. Here's Pastor Ryan. We're silent before our God. If we sit, if we we are still and 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 know that He is God, He will empower you and I with such power of the Holy Spirit that that we're different. That's why people say, "I remember her before she came to Christ. I remember him before he came. He was so she was so different. Now they're completely different." He's the water. He's the rock. It says in verse 5, But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. This is crazy to me. Most of them displeased God. Commentators believe it was about 2 million Jews that were freed. Imagine Moses shepherding 2 million Jews. He was the meekest man that ever lived. Because you imagine the headache that could be two million people. But all of them were under the cloud, you see? If you looked around and saw all the two million, if we were amongst them, it would be impossible to know who in this two million really loves God and who in this two million are only using the benefits of that cloud? Amen. You know what I'm saying? That's why the testing of the wilderness was so. That's why if you read Exodus, which is an awesome book, it'll show you. He did miracles and they're just like, we're still going to complain. We're still going to doubt. We're still not going to believe you, God. We're still going to complain against Moses. And then Moses was like, you know, and God told Moses, they're not complaining against you, they're complaining against me. That's scary. Because even within the church as a whole, there are so many professing Christians, right? They profess to know Christ. But the evidence in their heart says that they are still very much connected to this world. They love the things of the flesh, the things of the, of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. They are so connected with the world, and that's scary. And that's why this warning is here in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. This is from the Lord. It isn't from me. We don't want to be just professing Christians. But we want to be those that love God because we went through the Red Sea, because we we believed on Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. He's worthy of our love and affection. Does it matter whether the things I want work out for me or not? It doesn't matter if I possess the things that I want to possess. What matters to me is that I please my king who saved me. 
You see, it's the love of Christ that compels us to do well, to do good, and to honor him. Sin is a lack of love for God issue, you see. We got to put Christ aside to do our sin. But if we put Christ before our face daily, we won't do sinful things. We want to be those who not only profess but are. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of this world. If our hearts still want to connect to those wicked things of the world, I mean, God sees through that. King David prayed in Psalm 51, you desire truth in the inward part. You see. You see what's important to me and what's not. God forbid that the evidence is that we care about the things of this world. This world's passing away. They're dying. How can we help them if we just partake in the things that they partake in? Our God was humble. Jesus made himself of no reputation. And we have so many believers wanting to be like, their ideas. how can I be awesome still? There are pastors who are celebrity pastors wanting to be famous pastors, just a bunch of junk pastors. It's all about them and their name. It's like Jesus made himself of no reputation. When he walked into a synagogue, he was the most spiritual person in the synagogue, but you wouldn't know it because he went in there so Humble, so humble. And the most humblest thing that we can do is obey the word of God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I ask? And so he was not pleased, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Out of that first generation, guys, only two people made it in the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. God had to generate a whole new generation, right? In order for them to enter the land. It says in verse 6, Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. We're not to lust. We're not to lust after anything at all. Speaking at that men's uh, conference, man, we got down and into the nitty-gritty of stuff there amongst the men. They lusted in the wilderness. They committed sexual immorality. We talked about pornography. We talked about, is there kids in here? Ah, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> the things that come with that. Is the Lord before your face? The things that are done in secret by men and women today with pornography. It's not in secret. And I told the men, would you do that in front of your mom? Would you do that in front of your family or your friends? You would never do that. Because they're there. You'd be ashamed. You'd be embarrassed. But that's exactly what you do when, when you do that stuff, the Lord is there. You do it right in front of him. 
You bring them right through that mess. And I wanted them to understand, yeah, God is gracious and forgiving. But if it's a constant week in and week out of doing the same thing, aren't you practicing that? I would say, I would err on the side of safety and say, please, take his words serious. They're his, not mine. Don't, don't pull the teeth out of his scripture when there were teeth meant to be in that scripture. One of the most sharpest words that he ever said was, if your right eye causes you to sin, it is better that you pluck it out than for you to enter into hell. It's better that you cut off your right hand than to, because hell is so devastatingly painful and torturous and eternal that Jesus is just begging people, take it that serious. The devil wants a little incitement, a little, a little temptation, a little love. It ain't going to hurt. A little glance. Keep glancing at it. Keep thinking of it. Every sexual immorality act, action has begun with a thought that wasn't dealt with. And God wants, is the shepherd and the king of our thoughts as well. He tests the hearts and he tests the minds. And you better believe that Christians have the power to change their mind by the Holy Spirit. You have the power. You cannot stand before God one day and say, the devil made me do it. You know, I would have done the right thing, but my flesh. And that's what the world is going to be saying. God, you made us this way. That's what they say, don't they? But we say, he changed us. He gave us a new heart and the power of his Holy Spirit to put our flesh into subjection to the power of the Holy Spirit. And he promises us that if we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the what? The lust of the flesh. Either he's lying or we're lying. And the Bible says, let every let God be true and every man a liar. I pray that every man and woman be gracious to themselves because God loves you. He's gracious. He's merciful. But in the areas that you shouldn't be gracious to yourself, don't be. Be so serious that you get rid of a phone, a computer, contacts, get a roommate. If you're single, find somebody to marry who loves God. You know, do what must be done. Be drastic about it. The warnings here. It says here in verse 7, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now, idolatry is placing something else in, in God's position. It's replacing God with something else. Think about that. Idolatry is placing something else in God's place. That's heavy. Is God the most important thing in our lives? Is God the most important thing in our lives? Does Jesus Christ hold the most weight in your life? Does his word have preeminence in your life? 
Do we wake up in prayers and, 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 and say to God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm yours again today. It's a new day you've given me. What would you have me to do? Or is it about what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? You see, God is Lord, must be Lord. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live, I now live for Christ. You know the verse, Galatians 2.20. Idolatry is replacing God with something else. And they rose up to play, it says here. And it's a reference to when the Israelites made a golden calf to worship. Remember that? Moses went up on the mountain to pray. He was there for a while, spending time with the Lord, right? Moses went up to pray. They went up to Aaron. They say, this Moses, this leader of ours, we don't know where he's at. He hasn't come back. We do not see him. We do not see him. We need something tangible, something we can see, something we can touch. Aaron, make us a god. And so they gathered all the gold earrings and all the gold rings and they melted it down and Aaron made them a little golden calf. And they called it Jehovah. Because they needed something tangible. Their leader was gone. And if the leader's gone, then I guess they're free to do whatever they want. Listen to me. Jesus Christ, who Moses is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, our Lord, died was buried and rose again on the third day. He ascended and is at the right hand of the Father. You know how many Christians, professing Christians, live however they want? Because their leader, they cannot see him. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. I can't see him. Maybe he doesn't see me. And let me just do whatever I want to do. The way that seems right to a man leads to death. The way of leaning on your own understanding leads to sin. God's word is his word. I have blessed you to test you if you will follow my word. I've given you the cloud. I've given you the pillar. I parted the Red Sea. I've given you the water. I've given you the manna. I've given you, I've given you, I've given you. Will you honor my word? That's the most important thing. But they could not see their leader, so they did their own thing. And there are many people doing their own thing. I'm not here to tell Jesus what ministry I'm going to do. I didn't say, Jesus, I'm going to be a pastor, a senior. No, no. I'm like, those kids that we just watched, Gave my life to him at at 23, right before I turned 24. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Is that our attitude today still? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Not, oh, I have this in mind, I have this in mind, I have this in mind. People come to our church and they'll say, man, you know, I have this heart for this ministry. I say, wonderful. Let's pray for that. Let's. But what we want to do with people who come is to have the attitude, 
I, I, I have this in mind, but whatever is needed here, I want to work on that first. I want to help out here, whatever. You know what I mean? That's the heart of a servant. Jesus said, Jesus, you know what he did? He washed their feet, right? And like, you won't find in the Bible the gift of washing feet. But I'm telling you, folks have said, like, it's not my gift to like, again, you're dealing with personalities. Your personality is you wouldn't like to do that. I get it. I wouldn't like to do a lot of things, but if there's a job that needs done, there's no job I wouldn't do for the Lord. Eventually, people get into the places where they fit in. Amen. And you want them in their right places once they've shown that they're even willing to do things that they're not into. For the Lord. Because it's about sacrifice. It ain't about ourselves. What is needed? What is needed? Um, as judgment, they were meant... They, they, you know the story, they came down, Moses came down, they had to melt that golden uh, calf and the gold particles went in the water and they were to drink, they had to drink it as, as punishment. John the Beloved would say in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, little children, keep yourself from idolatry. Don't worship yourself, don't worship human weakness. Don't worship human weakness. The flesh is weak, Jesus said, but the spirit is willing. Listen to the spirit and tell your flesh you ain't the boss of me. Get your rest. Strengthen yourself, spirit, soul, and body. Let God sanctify it all so that we're rested, we're strong, you know. And uh, anyways, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 23,000 fell. It ended up being 24,000. Another thousand died along the road afterwards. So it was 24 total thousand. Uh, it's spoken about in Exodus. But think about that. New Testament saying, watch out, be warned. Because 23,000 were killed in one day. Wait a minute, pastor. I'm saved. Good. If you're saved... The Bible says you don't practice sin anymore. John says that the beloved, 1 John, he who is born again does not sin, does not practice it anymore. Good. Paul, God through Paul is warning the Corinthian church, I don't want you to have a false sense of security. That you have professed Christ but are now living in idolatry and in sexual immorality and you think that you're going to be okay because you said the sinner's prayer. But, but week in and week out, you keep doing the same sins. This whole area of scripture is a warning. Don't have a false sense of security. Live right before God. That's what is being said here. Don't think that if he didn't spare them, that he's going to spare you. Live right with the Lord. Obey the Lord by his grace. Does that make sense, guys? Does that make sense? He says, 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as 
Some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Let us not tempt Christ. They tempted Christ in the wilderness. How did they do so? You know what they complained about? They were hungry and they said, this is how they tempted God. Can God provide a table for us in the wilderness? In other words, even though God had done so much for them, they doubted him. You cannot provide for me in this wilderness. And that upset the Lord. It broke his heart. What do you mean I'm not going to provide for you? Haven't I provided for you all of these years? Think about our journeys, your journeys and mine. I remember the first $40 I put into the offering. It wasn't cheerful. It was terrible. Don't you care about me? I'm dying here. God was showing me, you need to trust me. Trust me with your provisions. I love you. I'll take care of you. And they doubted him in a, in, in a mocking way. And there are folks today who do not trust the Lord to provide for them. They come up with their own solutions to how to get out of debt. Their own solutions. You know, if I don't tithe, it's a good thing because he doesn't want me to be in debt and that's how I'll pay off my debt. They don't realize that he allows them to be in debt because they don't honor him with their money. And that's when I started tithe. I didn't tithe out of cheerfulness. I tithe out of like, oh, I get it. I'm broke because I don't tithe. I'm tired of being broke. And I gave. I walked into a, an interview after interview, man, pretending I knew what they were talking about. Pretending I knew what they wanted me to know. And just praying. And God touched their heart and they had mercy. And with Caltrans, it was like paneled interviews. Oh, the worst. You know, one person's bad enough, but it was paneled. I remember the first one, they had me look at a Thomas guide. Remember those? <laughs> Say you wanted to get to Disneyland. And the five was closed from whatever, you know, and I had, you know, it's like, oh, gosh. And he took care of me, and I got promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted. It's not because of what I knew. It's because who I knew. I just kept giving him and trusting him. If he has not, if he did not, if he did not protect his son from dying for you, he, he will also take care of you. Do it his way. It's the quickest way from point A to point B. Trust me, learn from my mistakes. Anyways, they thought that he couldn't. And then the other, they complained. Against who? Against Moses. Right? And the whole snakes, snakes came out and bit them all. Korah and the other guys. And then it was like Aaron's sister. It's... A couple of times they complained, but they were basically saying, God, you're leader for us. I don't think so. Not our type. 
In fact, this is what they said. You take too much on to yourself, Moses. God speaks to us too, you know. I said this in first service, and I'll say it again. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I was under my pastor for four years at Calvary Chapel, Romaland. I love Jerry Brown. And, uh, but I, could, I can't be under any pastor. It had to be a pastor that I was like-minded with, that I can respect his authority, that it wasn't a problem. Where I'm from, we love the OGs. We love the, the veterans because when we were in fights, they had been in battles. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.